for our guest today for our episode of Let's Talk is none other than my dear old professor, Dr. Terry Vermillion. Welcome to my podcast and something I've been trying out. Fantastic. It's great to see you. Oh, definitely. And uh, Dr. Terry Vermillion, giving a little bit of background on him, he, is the, he was the music department chair of St. Cloud State University for about how many years? It was uh, nine years. Nine years. And now yeah. you're like uh, taking a seat back, being a regular professor, fun times. Yep, yep. Just being a regular professor, directing ensembles, teaching lessons, um, teaching some new classes in arts entrepreneurship, which is kind of fun. But uh, okay. no, no longer responsible for all that other stuff. So, Dr. Vermillion, it's really great to have you in our podcast. And like, uh, as we said, like uh, you have a background in teaching a lot of years in St. Cloud State University as being a music professor and um, having a lot of interaction with students. And all of a sudden now, with the things going on, which means with the pandemic thing going on, so like. I'm just curious, like, how has things changed? I'm, get, I'm just guessing it's like drastic things has been happening throughout the university. But from your experience, can you just tell me, like, give, give us, like, what's actually happened in, in there? Yeah, um, certainly uh, we're doing just the same as every other university around the nation. Um, everybody at the time of the pandemic recognized that uh, social isolation was going to have to be the way we move forward. Um, so face-to-face -face classes were canceled, um, everybody, all the performances were canceled or postponed, um, and we needed to move into a remote teaching environment, um, which has been the direction for higher education for some time now, in that um, some content, some courses can be taught very effectively in a remote teaching environment online. Um, we, we really strongly recognize that and believe firmly that face-to-face -face teaching is critical and that we teach much more than just content. Um, and that's a whole other big, long discussion. But when the pandemic hit, we, we, we knew we had to make this shift. Um, and it has been drastic. It has been difficult. But um, there's always this weird silver lining, in my opinion, in that we knew all along that as teachers, we needed to be familiar with the software and the technology and the concepts behind remote teaching and online teaching. The students should have been becoming more familiar with learning in a remote setting. Some of them have been doing uh, online classes, some of them have not. Um, the students have really learned that they need internet connectivity, they need strong broadband, they need to have um, USB microphones, they need to have um, USB cameras, a Logitech camera of some kind, webcam, and they need to understand how to make high quality video content that can be transferred to their learning modules like D2L. Um, so, and for it, those it, who don't know what D2L is, D2L is uh, one of the system, uh, or the, I would not say software, but like a system the school uses for online education throughout the school. And it had been um, implemented from a long time ago. Now it's more important. Yeah, every, every school has Blackboard or D2L or some other um, remote teaching 
online teaching um, system that the state uses or their school uses. Yeah, uh, D2L is desire to learn. That's what it stands for. Um, and so, you know, there is this weird silver lining, you know, um, we certainly miss each other. We miss the face-to-face -face connection, the community and the family and the practice of going to school every day, going to campus, enjoying campus, enjoying each other has been really difficult. It's been hard. We miss that a lot. We miss our audiences a lot. Um, all of our concerts and performances were canceled. Um, all of my personal gigs as a freelance musician have been canceled. Um, and they've been canceled throughout the whole summer now because we really don't know what's going to happen um, when we're going to be allowed to have audiences again um, and what that might look like. Yeah, as a musician and uh, like feeling like the feeling of emptiness when you have no audience, like uh, when you're performing and there's no audience, the feeling is there. And now you're just like, you can't have an audience. The feeling of being a musician feels is just like so bad. <laughs> it's just like okay, now when I'm when am I ever gonna be performing in front of people? I, of course, I can do all, like uh, online concerts, but it's not gonna be the same interaction and same level of uh, love of your music. Like absolutely, absolutely, there is a real time thing that happens. The feedback between the audience and the performer that's magical and it's very 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 special. What has been interesting is seeing all of my friends and um, colleagues, um, again, you know, the silver lining, learning to master um, the technology and concepts behind live Facebook broadcasts, um, YouTube live. And so um, I have a great friend uh, who just recorded a bunch of videos for my virtual day of percussion that we did. So we had a day of percussion scheduled for April 18th. Obviously it was canceled. <laughs> so I, I said, you know what? We had four guest artists and I said, I'm not gonna cancel on them. I'm not gonna cancel their contract. So I'm gonna commission them to make original educational video content. And they did. And I put that together in iMovie and I did all the titling myself and the credits myself. And I did the look and the branding of those videos and I created a YouTube playlist. Oh, and you so, got a learning curve yourself. <laughs> yeah, but it's been deeply, uh, it's been deeply satisfying and I feel very proud. And it's, it's always something I've wanted to do because I've always been, as a percussionist, we're like junkie, we're gear, gear junkies. We love simple, we, we love equipment. And, yeah. and I've always, yeah. I've got to show you this. I got cowbells and I got cymbals. I got it. When I, when I came to St. Cloud State, I got it from Nepal. So it's like 11 years old. <laughs> like, right before I came to States, uh, just like I, I, I didn't want to leave it. So it's just like, uh, these are just my new cymbals. I want to get it. So I, I just bought it and I'm just putting it as a display there. And yep. that's what it, being a musician is like. You are a gear junkie somehow. Yeah, we are just gear junkies. And so it was really easy for me to say, hey, I'm gonna buy a nice external microphone. I'm gonna buy a nice webcam. Um, I'm gonna learn how to use my iPhone and sync it to the audio so I can make my own drum videos. Um, you know, so I've been learning iMovie. I've been working in Ableton. Uh, been learning a lot about audio editing and video editing and 
and uh, obviously I'm very amateur at this point, not as well versed in video as you are. I love your stuff. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. And it yeah. did take it did take a while. It's there's a curve in it. Uh, you can like uh, whatever you need to do. I think you'll be able to catch up pretty soon. I'm sure of it. Yeah. But, and and you know what's really interesting is that. Um, my teaching philosophy has been moving in the direction of being more project-based um, so that we sit together as a student and a teacher and say, hey, what is it that would really benefit your career, you know, your future? Oh, I know, making my own audio recordings. Okay, so now I've got this drum set studio and we have a synthesizer back here, we got a bass synth, we've got a nice laptop, we have a mixer. Um, I've got microphones on all the drums. I've got a Yamaha EAD-10. EAD I, I don't, I don't rec recall those little equipments. <laughs> I know. I love, I love this room so much. It's a great place to be. But, but the whole idea, if you listen, you know, um, for me now that we've been through this pandemic experience and we've been isolated, I'm seeing uh, the musical community be so more, uh, I, I want to say more creative, but very creative in a different way. Um, I was about to say one of our guest artists for the Virtual Day of Percussion, his name is Martin Dosh. Martin is a multi-instrumentalist, kind of what you'd think of as a one-man band that's really adept at sampling and looping. And he creates these amazing compositions live in performance using looping technologies and sampling technologies. He has drum set, he's got keyboards, he's got a Rhodes piano, he's got all sorts of, he's got a mixing console. I mean, he's amazing. So what he's doing in this pandemic is he's doing a live broadcast from his basement every night. And he's done over 30 of them now, 35 of them or so. Um, hey, that's, that's like a free concert, but he's being happy performing in the, with the audience. And people are being like, we got free concert. <laughs> and, and being creative, you know, so, if, if, if your entire life is based on creative live performances, why would you stop just because there's a pandemic? And so this is what a lot of folks have been doing. And being a musician and working in front of a computer and with your instrument, we're already kind of used to being in a concentrated one area, our like a area and space to like explore our own talent and improve on it. So this kind of gives you like Nothing but changes for practice schedule and improving yourself. It's just like performing in front of the audience has probably been a little bit. That's a bummer. <laughs> and Absolutely. I, I, and I really don't know. Like I'm looking at the stuff that's going on. I don't know when things are going to go back to normal, but I'm pretty much guessing everything's going to change on how we interact in the group, especially like uh, concerts, going to the movie theater, theater and so on. I feel like a new way of thinking has to be implemented and it kind of starts with us like trying to f come up with things and trying to get, uh, perform shows and see what new things can we develop. And, and they are new things. Um, I, think, I think you're right. I think personally, uh, from what I'm reading and talking with my friends about, uh, until we get a vaccine and until we get that vaccine mass produced and everybody is vaccinated against COVID-19, I don't know that public performances are going to be possible. Maybe outdoor performances with some social distancing, maybe indoor performances again with special seating that allows social distancing, everybody wearing a mask, um, 
certain health restrictions, you know, people at risk until we can get testing. We can find out who is tested positive or negative and that it's constant testing that they can test every week or a couple times a week, you know, um, and until we get a vaccine, it's going to be different. And we are going to have to learn to keep our creative output happening in a digital environment. It's, um, it's definitely the, the process of testing, as we all know, it's been super bad. <laughs> like, uh, we don't know what it is, uh, what is happening. And I just talked with my family member in Canada. There are nurses there. So the nurse, like elder caring, uh, elder homes nurse. So they have had a lot of few people, like uh, a lot of old people are dying because of the virus. And as you can th think, like... Uh, uh, the nursing homes are going to be worried, like, okay, nobody wants to be in a nursing home. There's uh, economic impact everywhere. And like uh, being, like just being scared, like uh, things happening, people dying, is kind of going to be a little bit normal, unfortunately, for us. Like, we're going to have to come in a point where I think it's going to be like, okay, like if I catch it, I catch it. We're going to do it somehow. <laughs> because this... I almost think like this is going to go a little bit longer than we would want it to be and people are just going to get tired of it they need to survive musicians need to uh, do shows one way or the other maybe there's as you said uh, the social distancing way might be the way how things are going to be in the art field somehow <laughs> and then that's an experiment and the world needs to come up with itself yeah yeah we're going to need to learn to live differently um until a vaccine is created and until we can protect ourselves against the virus. But other nations have done that. Um, and if we have enough masks, we have enough testing, we have uh, work on the vaccine, uh, um, we just need to learn to live differently. So it, until we get through this first wave, and if we can stick with the social distancing so there isn't a second wave, in my opinion, um, if we can just learn to live differently, I think we can get back to kind of a normal, um, but we need to learn new habits. You know, you can't shake hands. You have to cough on your arm. You have to wear a mask, social distance. You know, it's just, we can still be together eventually, soon, I hope. <laughs> We're just going to have to learn to live differently. It's definitely true. So, yeah. so uh, also like regarding like things that have been changed and living differently, like, uh, as you said, the education system has been going towards online. And how has your, like, uh, teaching experience been since, like, things moved abruptly to online sector with D2L and so on? Yeah, with the online learning environment, um, teaching online lessons has been actually surprisingly good. Um, it's not as good as face-to-face, -face, but personally, I sense a bit of relaxation on the students part because they're in their home environment and they're not in my office on the spot with me staring and breathing down their neck to play their music and perform their music you know there's a certain level of i used to get nervous for my lessons uh, you oh, know oh. i would get yeah right yeah i got lessons from you and every time you just like pay a snare in the area of a penny i'm like <laughs> I, still, I still remember those lessons. Those were really awesome. I love those. And you were, uh, you were a great student, by the way. Oh, thank you so much. And uh, like for me, like being in, as a music student was not for me as a. I, I came in a different perspective in the sense, like uh, 
we'll come back to the online learning just a bit, but I, I want to reminisce, reminiscence <laughs> about the first day I came to you and I wanted to talk about, okay, I'm an internet, like I'm from Nepal. I need to study, I want to study music. I have a little bit of background in music. I've uh, had album produced, like, uh, and I love playing drum sets. And you are like a, you're a percussion, your major instrument is percussion, and you teach pro percussion professor who is also department chair. So I was like, okay, let's talk and let's see what happens. And I, uh, I remember the first conversation you went through is like, you're not studying music just because uh, it's, you want to get a job or so on. But it's more like uh, you, you want to study because you want to study music. And that has been like, uh, first I thought of it, it was like, uh, I don't know, like maybe you're selling me music <laughs> class. But uh, more I think of it, I feel like I, I really wanted to study because music because I really wanted to understand music and what it is, what is the theory behind it and what... Uh, the future holds for what kind of music we can create. As a composer, it felt so relieving that I, I want to study and I want to improve on my things. And like it has been a roller coaster since then. Music is not an easy subject to study. Uh, I'll tell you, right after nursing, it's music. <laughs> difficult courses. <laughs> it is difficult. It takes a lot of dedication. Um, what's interesting, you know, you came to me and I remember vividly. Um, uh, my mindset, you know, in, in working with students is normally that they have a small picture, a small idea of exactly what they want to do, and they don't quite realize what might happen down the road. And so I always try and set, you know, a limited pathway, but wide enough that it's not just, oh, okay, well, we're just going to take drum set lessons or, you know, because if you understand harmony and you understand melody and you understand how to read music and and hear music and its structure and its form you're going to be a better producer you're going to be a, a whether it's music production or whether it's video production and you're working with musicians the more you know about music the more effective you're going to be and so um, you did a very good job in terms of yeah i'm going to take my theory classes i'm going to do my music history and my ear training and yeah. I think I loved all of the classes except piano and <laughs> Professor Jim was so good like he was so nice he was like a he taught us pretty well but the thing is like as soon as he asked me to okay play something in the piano and all my fingers start to shake <laughs> now after I graduated and after many years out I loved playing piano now I just go I, I teach in uh, Eastfield College uh, community college here and I uh, diverted from music to a little bit on video side, but I get to go into the music room and I just get to play it and I enjoy it so much. But I did not used to enjoy it when I was like, uh, I had to perform and I have, a, I have to give my test and my fingers used to shake and just like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, what's happening? <laughs> and I remember you telling me, uh, like, yeah, everybody's shifting into the online world and everybody has, uh, been trying to go through setting up all the equipments and uh, softwares and getting like lessons from you. So like uh, what has been like I think one of the bigger problem for musicians is going to be equipments and so on like instruments. How has like St. Cloud and like our music department has been like can you tell me like uh, behind the scenes over there? Yeah um, it has been that some of the students have been relegated to instruments they have at home. So maybe they have a snare drum, maybe 
maybe they have a drum set. Those are very popular. Most students studying percussion anyway have that available. Um, uh, we've sent marimbas home with some students. So, you know, we have a fleet of many different marimbas. And if for some reason we're still in an online mode fall semester and we're not doing face-to-face -face classes, we will loan instruments to the students so they can take a marimba home. Um, one student has a vibraphone at home. Um, I imagine somebody could take a xylophone at home so they can still work on their mallet percussion. Okay. Um, For those people who don't know what my xylophone and uh, marimba are, I'll, I'll put up some pictures in there. <laughs> And these were new instruments for me. I, I'm just guessing the, all of the trouble of just taking it apart and putting it in the truck, uh, uh, in your car and taking it home. These are gigantic <laughs> instruments. Yeah, um, they, they do. They all come apart and we do have cases for them and they can be transported. It's a little bit of a hassle, but um, not insurmountable. Um, but, you know, um, they can take tambourines home. They can take crash cymbals home, some of the smaller percussion instruments. Um, Timpani, no, you can't really take timpani home, yeah. so I don't know. Uh, but this, this is this is what a lot of the my colleagues around the nation, other uh, teachers, uh, that's what they're talking about. It's like, what are we going to do in fall semester if there's no face-to-face -face classes? So one of the things is we'll be assigning instruments and sending them home. Uh, the other thing for the student is, do they have a space for it? Um, yeah, I have lots of my percussion method students. Um, they're literally doing all of their work out of their bedroom um, because they have roommates. You know, and I, I feel I feel a little bit as a, I feel a little bit sad for their neighbors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. You know, they do have that consideration. They've got they're an apartment, yeah. and they have neighbors above or below or next door, and um, so it's hard to find practice time. A lot of my students are at home, and their siblings, brothers and sisters, are at home. Um, and they're all battling for broadband internet access. You know, only one person at a time doing a Zoom meeting. Um, you have to wait to upload your homework because there's not enough internet. Um, they have troubles finding space because all their brothers and sisters are home from school. And, um, you know, there's, there's really interesting problems. I mean, I even had one student that was providing hospice care for their dying grandmother. Uh and so as a cancer in hospice um they had aunts and uncles living with them um her grandmother has passed at this point but situations like that that you know we can't even imagine um yeah yeah That's... lots of lots of students have lost their jobs um you know it's 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 tricky it's really really bad times especially like uh, a lot of people are uh, you're out of the out in the world, and you need to find a job. You need to find, like a uh, pay for your school, pay for your pay your bills, and everything. And all of a sudden, you can't work, and the trouble just adds up exponentially. Yeah, and, uh, like playing instrument, it, it becomes like, a, should I find some job? I mean, now you have more time to practice, I guess, but it just feels that it will. It, now it becomes more like a a way to forget all the pain. <laughs> for some reason. And well, yeah, and you know, it's, um, it's been a problem because higher education has had to learn that you can't, uh, put, let me put it this way, what some professors have done is create even more work for their students. And their, the philosophy that they've put under is, oh, you're at home, 
and you don't have a job, so now you've got all this free time, and I want you to learn more, um, which I suppose is a good thing, a valiant thing, but suddenly many professors, I think, have made the mistake mm -hmm. of lobbying on way too much work um, for these students because there are all these new challenges the students have faced. So I know in the Department of Music anyway, we've been very thoughtful about trying to um, do the best we can without making a bunch of additional work for the students. And, and it becomes a choice, a difficult choice for them. Um, you know, many of them are really strapped for time. And so they are choosing not to practice as much as perhaps they might have in a regular environment. And um, so we're, we're figuring out how to make it all work, but it's, yeah. not, like, it's uh, not easy. Yeah, adding up work, I, from my, as a, like, remembering if I was a student, like, having just like 14 credits or 15 credits, but we used to have like nine different classes. There was, <laughs> the number of credits to classes in music department is surprisingly extremely unusual compared to most people when they say, I have a 15 credit, but like four classes. For us, it's like maybe 10 or 11 <laughs> classes. So uh, having extra work is not fun from my side, but uh, I think uh, a way to change is there might be a different way of having classes in a collaborative sense. Like uh, mm -hmm. we're talking here mm -hmm. and we're in Minnesota, we're, I'm in Texas, but we, uh -huh. we can collaborate with the speed of the internet getting pretty good. And maybe some classes can be more collaborative in that sense, maybe some experimental. But yeah, having the basis for theory and having playing instrument and practice, I don't think it can, anything can substitute for it. But some things has to switch up in, in other sense to yeah. accommodate like students' life. And I guess I'm trying to say is make it a little bit easy for students. <laughs> like, but yeah, like uh, nothing can like switch up, like uh, being able to practice every day, uh, picking up your instrument, practice, going through your repertoire and all of the things you have to do to become a perfect musician and be able to compose things. It's not going to come out easy with the things happening up now. No. And you know, um, as human beings, as, as homo sapiens, we are nothing but our habits. That's what we are. We are built of habits. And so it, they, the students have had to learn, and, and us, we have had to learn new habits. And when you're at home, you have a certain set of habits. You relax, you lounge around, you play games, you dig through the refrigerator, you snack, you go outside, you go for a walk. You know, home is a, is a real different environment than school is. Now, all of a sudden, home is school. And so students have been struggling with trying to recreate their own mindset about, wow, I'm at home, but I really need to be doing X, Y, and Z, not getting distracted by the television or the, or the game box or, you know. So yes, that is still part of home. You still need to relax and you still need to, but so there's this weird new way of thinking um, that we've heard a lot about from students and we've had to try and help coach them and trying to shift the way they think about that environment. Uh, everything has been online and everything has been switched up uh, to work from home, study from home. So for new students who would want to come in maybe summer or uh, fall semesters, 
how, like how what would like how would you encourage them to still give the know the value of going to a university but still having that communication with the university but studying from home if things doesn't work out with the virus and stuff yeah that's a, a great question interesting question um i'm also been for the past couple of summers i've been serving as an advisor for the summer sessions and so um that face-to-face -face interaction with people and professors and parents um, has been really critical in helping new students feel like they have a home and a place and they're welcome and get excited about being on campus. Um, we're going to be doing all the advising this summer online. And so we are working as a team to create that online experience that is still going to share the enthusiasm we have as teachers and professors um, and what it's going to be like when they do finally get a chance to come back to campus. Um, I think that, I think that um, if you look into your life, right, and you look back at people that really made an impact on your life, it could be family members, could be a grandparent, could be an aunt, uncle, could be your parents, could be a brother, sister. That impact, um, you experienced it in real time is a real person. And that is really what the university is about. It's coming face to face with brilliant people, new ideas, new spaces, new technologies, new places to be creative. Um, and that is what's gonna really have an impact. Yes, you can have an online module, you can have a video lesson, you can absorb all of that on your instrument, but having a professor that's there to talk with and share with and to sit in and demonstrate and play for you, you know, the way they see it done, that that's impactful. And, and that's, the, that's the impact we hope to make and that we do make in our real face-to-face -face classes. Uh, and we want to get back to that as soon as we can. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and nothing can change the feeling of being like, okay, I, I, I wish like somehow things would go back to normal and like, uh, like I remember being a student, like uh, how much it would mean like I could get in the practice room and practice and be, be able to perform in front of the audience. That just comes down to like be, being a music st student is like a way for me to be able to face the world. <laughs> Yeah. even in a small box and being at home it takes away a little bit of those excitement and it takes away those nervousness like you get scared in performing in front of the audience and like with more performance every time you get more confidence and con the being a being a music student had built my confidence so much better like i don't know like a, i can stand in front of 500 people and not be like i don't care and that, that level of confidence is something that's built with being a musician. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I've always been aware of a wide spectrum of musicians. I have friends that don't read music. They're great musicians. They play guitar, they write songs, they sing, they do their thing. Um, you know, that's great. Um, we have live performing musicians who thrive and who love being in front of people in real time. Mm -hmm. There's no second take there's you practice 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 and then you get on stage and you do it and then there's a whole world of people who love production 
and they take their time, they do it over and over again, they tweak it, they mold it, they work it in the computer, and they make the great product, a musical product. And, and everybody finds their pathway, they find what really feeds their soul, and, and that's the way they go. And so this is showing me that there, there is a whole world of people who love producing stuff. It is. And so, like I have one student who is, um, he's not really that performer person. He gets really nervous, he has lots of anxiety, and has a difficult time playing in real time. And you know, we've been working on it, And but then I said, listen, he is a really good producer. He really knows uh, Machina, and he really knows, um, I think he's using uh, Logic? Logic. And GarageBand. And so he, he can produce, and so he's doing percussion covers. He's recording covers of other tunes from other artists on percussion instruments and editing all of that. He's doing his own vocals and editing all of that. And so he's been producing his own album. He has seven of them right now and he hopes to have nine to put onto his own recording that he's not gonna be able to sell because of copyright issues, but he's gonna be able to show that he can produce music. And so that person is comfortable doing that yeah. And so his musical education, he sings in the choir um, and he, he does this as a um, student of mine, as a percussion student. So let him go do that. He's not going to be the person on stage that, that can yeah, deal with and, and just being on the stage is different, but there's also a whole avenue of producing music, composing, and you can excel in any of those things. For me, it had been like, uh, of course, I produced and I worked with more sound engineering side of our you know, music composition, but like uh, being in front of the people and being able to play music with our audience and getting to listen to all of those guest artists, it just uh, built me as a different kind of a musician who like uh, who started to appreciate new type of music that uh, like I come from the eastern side, I come from Nepal, and now I was like being able to appreciate like the, what the western music culture and what the new media, the newer genre of music has brought in, and that developed me as a music student in a different sense. So uh, I would like to say, like, uh, for those people who are interested in getting music, like, uh, let's say, uh, for the view, uh, for our viewers who are interested in pursuing music, can you? Uh, go back into the things that actually happen, what you need for those people. Like, uh, I just want them to feel like, okay, what does it need to be a music student? What are prerequisites and how do we start and what do you, can you expect? Like, uh, how, like how to how get that they, degree, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, yeah. How do, how do, you know, what do you need to get started with yeah. that? What skill set would help you get started as a music major? So um, as you learned, piano is one important skill, that piano is a fundamental instrument for just about any musician, for composing, for teaching, um, for directing ensembles, for your own composition and your own exploration. A lot of that is done on the keyboard. Sure, you can compose on guitar and you can compose on marimba, um, but um, piano is a very readily available instrument. All the practice rooms have pianos in them. Every church has a piano. Almost every space has a piano. So having some background in piano, reading music, reading treble and bass clef is a minimum. Um, being 
fairly fluid and proficient at reading music, understanding rhythm notation. Um, those are fundamental for somebody that really wants to excel in a music degree. Now, had, if you don't have that, it's not the end of the world. Of course, you can still be a music major, but a lot of students now can learn to read treble and bass clef with an app on their phone. They yeah. can play games. You can do that on, on your laptop. So you can get started in college with that fundamental skill set. Yeah, and for me, like uh, with my own experience, uh, I had a little bit of background on a uh, drum set notation. So I knew about rhythm and a uh, little bit about uh, treble and bass clef. But like when I started, uh, when I wanted to get in the music uh, department, like uh, get in the music degree, and to get accepted, I had to give an uh, uh, entrance exam. And for that exam, I was like trying to get some samples, and I, I was like, okay, I I need to do a lot of little bit of math in it. <laughs> it's like a, what goes in where things like that. And we didn't used to have apps, but we used to have like uh, videos and so on. At least then it was about ten ten years ago, uh -huh. almost eleven years ago. So mm -hmm. uh, things have changed a lot. So people who don't know anything about music but are a musician in some sort of way, they can definitely learn it as quick the basic things are really easy, then the advanced thing is something where you come to university to learn. Yeah. Um, I, like, I like personally working with percussionists who um, can improvise music, can make up music. So I like drum set players. They're used to keeping steady tempos with good feel and good groove. They understand how to interact with other musicians. So they, they know about a band or an ensemble. Um, I like working with those types of people. Um, and sometimes they also have the ability to read music. But if they don't, at least they have the ability to make music, mm -hmm. to play music. Maybe it's guitar. Um, I've got some guitarists in the contemporary music ensemble that don't read very well, but they really do understand how to make music on their guitar. Mm -hmm. And they can then learn the notes, learn the rhythms, and get it on their instrument. Um, but what happens if you don't know how to read is it just takes so much more time. It does. Practice time, right? But so if you could read really well, um, you're going to save time in the practice room and you're going to be able to gobble up music so much quicker than, than you know, oh man, it, it took me a week to learn eight measures, you know, when it should only take you an hour, you know. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, now I'm getting like a little bit of PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. oh, my yeah, my eyesight was bad, and like uh, I need to wear glasses, which I didn't wear most of the time. And I was like, okay, I can't see it. And uh, <laughs> maybe I, I didn't want to wear glasses to be like, okay. <laughs> You're not the only student. I have to tell you, I I always end up with a couple of students. It's like, you need to go see the eye doctor and get your prescription checked out or just start wearing your glasses. You know? It's like my, my nose used to hurt. I'm like, okay, I, I can't do it. I can, <laughs> I can see it blurrily. I can see the shapes and all the like, uh, accents and here and there. And yeah. I tried to go through a lot of memory, but eventually I was like, okay, I know this music. And I was, being, like, I was able to play it, but I don't, I don't, I don't recall watching a lot of YouTube videos. But now, if I say, if I, the way I would change it is I would really listen to the actual music and look at the score. Before, it used to be 
I used to look at the score, but I couldn't think of the music, what it is. I had to play the recording and the CD, which was like extra steps. Yeah, and, and so much of the literature now, like for marimba or even for snare drum, you know, so much of that is on YouTube. Yeah. So, and, and major companies like Vic Firth, the drumstick company, they have a whole educational section. All the drum companies do now. And like with Vic Firth, they have the fundamental marimba series. So you can go look at those beginning level marimba pieces that, that you know, you started on and my other students start on. You can see them performed by professionals. And it's like, yeah, now it's all on video. You can hear it, you can see it, you can look at their technique, you can figure out what sticking they're using. You know? Yeah, that's, that's so much helpful. <laughs> You've got it all, you know. Yeah. And uh, like uh, for those people who are already, okay, they, they are inside the program, they have been accepted. What can they expect out of the music degree? Like I, I know uh, I can recall a lot of things, but for our audience who want to know about like, oh, okay, what do I get out of the music, uh, get, going into trying to get a music degree? So like uh, first thing I would love to say is the music called concerts and the experience you can absorb is tremendous. It's like that. That was amazing. So, from your perspective, what like what would you want them to achieve, like being a music student? Yeah, um, boy, that's another great question. You're full of great questions today. Oh. The first thing, the first thing is, is that you know, you got to be happy. You have to love what you're doing. And if you love music, you're going to love being a music major. And I'm just, I'm not selling a music major, but you're going to be happy. You know, you're going to come to practice every day, perform every day, learn more about music every day, understand more about music every day. And that's going to make you happy. You're going to love it. Second of all, yeah, duh, you're going to learn about music. You're going to graduate with a music degree being that one person in a group of people. You know, if you, if you sat in a room with, with 400 people and you could stand up and say, hi, I play marimba. You know, and anybody else in this room play marimba, you know, and they're like, and you look around and there might be one other person or, you know, I can play this piano sonata or I can perform with an orchestra. Anybody else in this room perform with an orchestra, you know, so you're going to be a very special, highly specialized skill, right? It is. The other, th the other thing is you said it best. You, you learn confidence in yourself and your abilities. And the way you learn confidence is by identifying a problem, tackling that problem, strategizing, setting goals, being consistent, having commitment and dedication, collaborating with others on how to solve that issue. You work with the band in a social setting. You know, these are all what people used to call soft skills. There's the hard skill, which is, yeah, I play a musical instrument, but all those other skills that you develop over four years, and you can go out and be a member of a corporate team and learn how to work with others, learn how to strategize and set goals, learn how to develop a map of, hey, I need to do this this week, next week I need to do this, the week after I need to do that. Yeah, it, it used to be a lot of scheduling, like uh, as having yeah. like eight, nine classes in semester, I was like, I yeah. have piano, I have uh, percussion studies, I have marimba, I have a jazz band, orchestra, and those are like, uh, sounds like heavy words, but those were like normal life for us. And you had to set that schedule, yeah. and you had to set the goals for each one of those, and you had to map out what you were going to accomplish that week, 
on that music. And, and that's, that's, that's the skill set that musicians deal with all the time. And now, in the age of COVID-19, mm -hmm. you're dealing with um, promoting yourself, marketing yourself, developing materials, um, online materials to keep yourself in front of people. You're learning how to book gigs, how to manage that money, how to work with taxes. This is the arts entrepreneurship side of things that I'm now teaching in the past three years. So we now have a minor in arts entrepreneurship. And That's so amazing. I love that. that I, I really am enjoying it a lot. And I'm learning a lot about building a business plan, about budgeting, about marketing, managing, promoting your artist statement, web materials, you know, resume, business cards. I mean, the, the list is kind of long. And, but every music major is now going to have to take the intro to arts entrepreneurship class. And they can continue with the minor if they want, but every music major is going to have to take that class yeah. because it's that important in this new age. Um, and it's been that important for the entire history of, of being a musician, you know, understanding that people usually don't learn that until they graduate. And then they're like, oh, God, you know, what do I do now? I need to build my own teaching studio. I don't know how to do that, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. like a, almost a, like every musician needs to be their own marketer. You yeah. need to be able to sell your art. It's not like a literal sense of selling your art as somebody would buy it with money, but it's selling or letting the people know you are there with your skill and you, you can produce music, you can create music for somebody else, you can give out your skills in this like a large concentration of media world where everything is grating ground in digital media you have to be able to compete yeah because because now it's going to be there's going to be even more competition now in the online environment because everybody is going to be moving online with their businesses and so you need to know how to work the square app on your phone so you can take payments and you need to understand about taxes as a self-employed individual and are you going to set up a limited liability company? You know, are you going to make your art, whether it's art or music or theater, whatever, into a business? Mm -hmm. You know, you need to understand how to get started with it while you're in college. And then when you do graduate, you at least have kind of a direction you can go in. Um, even if you're going to go be a public school teacher, you need to know how to make videos and promote your band and promote your orchestra and your choir. And you need to know social media and, you know, it's, it's just a... Yeah, that's a, that's a whole level of uh, being able to... Business side of music that we, every musician needs. And like, uh, once I graduated, I, I kind of felt that a little bit. Like, once I graduated and I need to find, okay, what am I going to do? I started music because I wanted to. And I need to feel like I don't want to do... Uh, like, I don't want to continue music in that sense. I want to continue as an artistry. I want to create music. Maybe I'll, I like to go into different field. And I, that was the level of time when I was, like, really trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And do we have, like, a, in, at least in some part, like, a, once you graduate, there are different options. Have, like, are there more concrete of level of options that we have created in St. Cloud? Um, I don't know... I, now, again, if I understand your question, the arts entrepreneurship program and the introduction to arts entrepreneurship helps develop those materials important in marketing and promoting your art 
so that when you do graduate, you can take advantage of opportunities. Um, what we haven't gotten to the point yet and what the next step is to, is to actually build like um, internship opportunities while you're in school so that you can work with a variety of companies. Maybe it's Stringline Pictures, which is uh, independent film uh, marketing, yeah. video marketing, promotions uh, company here in St. Cloud. Maybe it's an internship with the Paramount Theater mm -hmm. so that you can go and learn how uh, live theater works and be a stage manager, be a lighting yeah, that would be designer. so much awesome because... Uh, yeah. Uh, one thing I felt like uh, somehow like it was a long time ago. One thing I would wanted to have is like go do an internship for some uh, because everything is internship culture in the United States. Like okay, I'm out yeah. of school now. You need five years of experience. <laughs> it's 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 like the number one way to to get a job right out of school. Yeah is to have an internship and then it, a lot of times it turns into a job with that company. Yeah, and so, so that's, a, that's a direction that we need to move in and we will move in, but we're only in our third year mm -hmm. of this minor. And it is, it is just a minor, it's not a full-blown degree, but um, I think we can move in that direction and that'll help solidify some potential directions. Definitely. For even, even as a, when I went from trying to go after graduation, like I wanted to go pursue education, but I, w I went a little bit different field. So I, I, I wanted to let you know that like, there are so many colleges with a graduate program that fits perfectly after you graduate from St. Cloud State. It's like uh, I had like my own experience was I was educated in music. I was educated in music technology and got a little bit of interest here and there. But like there are many schools offering graduate level programs that fits, fits perfectly. Like I went to Missouri Western State University, which yep. had a digital media program. So from our new media to digital media, I was like a perfect fit there. And I was lucky enough to complete my master's degree there. But it feels like St. Cloud State has like a, whatever our music department, whatever you are creating with all of the faculty has a lot of potential. Uh, a place for students to ex uh, get out and then explore the other majors and for me it has been a development cycle of learning about music and using it learning about technology and using it in a real life field so it had been for me a learning experience throughout my whole years of education cycle <laughs> and uh, I kind of love it like uh, I'm currently being a, like working uh, creating media stuff for our there are different schools here and uh, like it would not have been possible without like me even getting a backup as uh, being able to create music then I went into technology so everything felt like I would not have been in my position if I had not studied basically started with some kind of music and technology side yeah I'm glad you mentioned that and and I appreciate the compliment for our program um, getting a master's degree um, is incredibly important. Um, I certainly would not be where I'm at if I didn't get my master's and my doctorate to become a tenured professor. Um, but to build on, I mean, you think about an undergraduate degree, you enter as a, as a first year student or a transfer student, you're only at a certain maturity level and you're not really paying attention to everything that's coming your way and then you get close to graduating and you're like, oh my God, I should have been paying attention to all those first two years of my schooling, right? Yeah. And, and, then you, and then you graduate. 
So what your master's degree did was take you from here, you'd come from here, you got to there, and now it's gonna raise you all the way up to here in a two-year program as a master's student. And then it's gonna set your trajectory towards um, finding a really nice job, creating a nice situation, finding a teaching position. Um, I, it's incredibly valued, it's valuable to think about going and doing a master's degree. But one thing that, that seems to limit that potential is the student's fear of, of taking on educational debt. Mm -hmm. And I understand student loans, you know, having my master's and doctorate paid for with loans, you know, um, I understand student debt. And if we can find a, we can find a president mm -hmm. and leaders in our Congress to help reduce student debt, to help eliminate or lower the threshold for how much we owe for our student loans, think about how, how much more education people could get and how much more they could contribute back to their society when they're not limiting themselves by saying, well, I can't get a master's degree because I don't want to take on that student debt. I'm just going to get my undergrad degree and then I'm going to go work for Target or whatever. You know, and that's not bad. I'm not disrespecting anybody for that choice. But there's so much more that could be brought back to society, brought back to the arts community. If people did like you and went on and got a master's. Um, and we have lots of students who do that. We get students all the time that are going on to master's degrees all around the nation. Um, but yeah. I do see those. I, I, like I a, see the, yeah, I've been con connected with a few of our old friends and a few of them completed their doctorate degree and a few of them went for a master's in performance. Some of them went on a different cycle uh, in their career and everybody still feels like they, they want to pursue music. Like, uh, music is not just a degree, it's more like what they are, musicians. It's a, li it's a lifestyle, it's of a course. Lifestyle. It's, and, uh, it's who you are. Definitely. And when I get connected to a lot of people, they are some one way or another form, they are still continuing, still being attached to music and uh, they might have a different career choices, uh, maybe related or unrelated, but uh, it comes, they all feel like uh, connected to music one way or the other. Yeah, you know, um, David Swenson, yes. um, the, the young man who passed away that left us that large endowment. Um, David did his undergraduate degree here in music at St. Cloud State, but then he went on to get a master's in library sciences. He wanted to work for the Library of Congress. Um, so, yes, no matter where you go, you look back on your time as a musician in music school and you look back on it with, with a lot of love. And that's what David did. David looked back on his time at St. Cloud State and he said, I loved it so much. I'm going to leave all of my inheritance, all of my endowment to St. Cloud State for percussionists to fund their scholarships. So, so and, David Swanson Foundation scholarship is one of the scholarships that uh, provided for St. Cloud State students. So anybody wants to apply, you are free to. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Come, come study music as a percussionist and uh, earn a scholarship and help reduce that student debt. Yeah, um, the master's degree, as I was saying, is, is a great investment. It's, the undergrad degree is a necessary investment for most people, for lots of people. Yes, you can go into the trades. And I believe if your heart is in welding or truck maintenance or something like that, by all means, do it. 
You know, you don't have to go to college. You can go to your two-year school, earn your trade degree, and go out and get a great job and be really happy. But there's a lot of other people that need to earn a four-year college degree and go on and get a master's. It's a great investment. Now, the doctorate. The doctorate is another thing. You know, like, you need to really stop and think about what is going to be the return on investment of getting a doctorate. And for, for many people, sure, go get your doctorate and get a job teaching at a university or a college or a two-year school or whatever. But uh, many times you have to stop and really think about it. Um, but a master's is, is a fantastic investment, and I'm so happy that you did that. Oh, and, thank you. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, yeah. It felt like, uh, okay, now I can concentrate and uh, I can, how do you call it? Uh, leverage my education or whatever I learned in undergrad and use it where the field and the market needs it and the degree provided by masters my master's school in Missouri was like perfect fit so I was lucky to find that school because a lot of this uh, well I, I guess it's a problem for all the students who want to pursue higher education is like they get lost in trying to find the university like even finding the right undergrad uh, college is really hard and for going for a master's in a short amount of time and trying to find the fund for it and it, it was like it came all out together but like uh, if I had known about the possibilities of uh, subjects uh, after like say graduate from music you can go into new media digital media there's there are different names of the programs <laughs> but uh, I... um, yeah that's another great question um, at where I'm at right now in my head, um, I think we will make do with the best we can at providing um, an education and an experience um, in the online world that comes as close as possible to the real thing face-to-face. -face. The only area where I really see a big disadvantage and a painful deficit would be in the ensemble experience. And we as a system of educators around the nation, whether it's public school, high school, college, we haven't figured out yet what's gonna happen with that ensemble experience and how we're still, you know, because the technology's not there for students in a variety of settings with different ethernet connections, different broadband capabilities, different old computers, new computers, lack of software. There's no way you can do a live performance. Um, if you have the right setup, professionals, you can. And there are people that there's uh, some open source softwares out there that um, do provide small groups of musicians the ability to play online synchronous at the same time. Um, but uh, there's no way you're going to make that happen with high school students or middle school students or even college students without a lot of training and a lot of investment. So um, that's the spot where I just don't know what we're going to end up doing. Yeah. I think we can teach our lessons. We can teach theory. We can teach history. We can do a lot of that other stuff online and make a good experience. Yeah. The the higher level softwares, especially from Dr. Scott and from Lee, like about those uh, new media technology of Kima and others mm -hmm. are going to be a big problem for students. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how, what they might have been going through their mind. I, I know they are in a chaotic mode, but uh, hopefully they'll come up with something. And then, and then, then, then you just have to make a shift. Yeah. 
you just have to shift to a new curriculum, a new set of learning outcomes, you know. So maybe you're not going to teach Kima, but maybe you're going to teach reason or logic, or you're going to make sure that there's other important things that the students need to learn. And so everything will have to shift a little bit if we're still um, isolating this fall. Um, yeah, it's going to... Yeah, that's, a, that's like a really... Uh, gray area of like w uh, what things have to be but l I'm glad like all of the professors are really flexible and uh, I would love to have like I'm really glad you uh, you agreed to be in the podcast <laughs> it was like a really good to see you after se seven eight years you too oh, thank you so much and uh, yeah I'll, uh, please give my best regards to all of our professors and please say good luck to them and Hope everything's work out with the students. <laughs> Thank you. And you should know, you should know that, you know, you are one of the students that I talk about going on and get a master's degree, doing all the filmmaking you've been doing. Um, and we find you very successful. We're very proud of you. Thanks so much. And uh, yeah, congratulations on everything. And, and I'm really happy that I had a chance to connect again and to, to be on your podcast. Oh, definitely. So. This, been, this has been like one of my... I want to do it. I want to talk with Dr. Vermillion. <laughs> and it has been like coming in my mind. I'm like, okay, let's, let's, this podcast is a perfect way to get reconnected. And uh, I hope everything's work out with you and have a safe, yeah. uh, uh, stay safe at home and like, give best regards to everybody there. I will. And, and uh, best of health to you. Oh, thank you so much.